Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. In our parenting slot this week, we're joined in studio by consultant psychologist Owen Connolly from Connolly Counselling Centre. Owen, you're very welcome. Uh, Lovely to see you here. You were, you were saying there you were the very first. Um, Absolutely, the very first, yes. When oh, Sean started on air on the very first week of News Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was yourself. Very good. Um, well, a lot has changed. And I think one of the things that has changed is children with phones since then. So uh, straight into this absolute uh, minefield of an area. My 14-year-old and I have a difference of opinion regarding her time spent on her phone. This is a phone that she saved up for and bought herself. It is it unreasonable for me to have a daily time limit on her device? I'm worried about the amount of time she spends on it. Is there a normal amount of time a child of her age spends on their phones? I feel having clear rules around it is the best way forward. She, of course, does not agree. And of course you're not going to agree because in your day, your dad would be shouting at you to get off the phone uh, because you had the regular phone and uh, because he'd want to have the phone himself or pretend he had calls coming in. But yes, uh, we have this question a lot. I, first of all, love to commend this young 14 year old for the hard work it took to save up the money for a phone because they're not cheap. So she's got herself a phone. And all 14 years at the moment, they all fight with their mums anyway. There's not, you know, they don't agree with the mums of today. They, but really, they, the way to approach your daughter in this one is that, you know, again, comment favourably about her, but also say, you know, I'd love some time with you. Yeah. So can you put the phone down for a little while? But to, to have it, understand it in her world, your 14 year old daughter's world phones are their communication. They, yeah. That's what they do. And if she didn't, if, if that wasn't the case, she wouldn't have worked as hard to get it. So, yeah, we kind of have to have a little bit of control over it, but it's a way of asking for the control. It's like saying to, you know, I need you and I to have our little time together without a phone. And so include her in your world. Sure. Rather than put her away from her world. I, I know from bitter experience mm-hmm. on this, I actually have a 14 year old yes. and a 16 year old. <laughs> um, they would rather uh, lay down their lives than lay down their phones at particular points during the day. And they can, if left to their own devices, could be on the phone all day. So uh, and they don't react well. It's like Linda Blair when you when you when you try and say hand over the phone. <laughs> but you're right. They would get kind of upset about it because it's their world. Our world was different. I mean, I, <clears throat> I give away my age, but there were times when listening to the radio was going to damage your health. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, that gives you some idea of where I'm coming from. So what do you do then when they're saying I, I'm not giving it to you? You know, go away. Yeah, well, I think there is a way of of getting them to lay down their phones or give time. It's when you're asking them for time with you, and that and that is important. And also being understanding where they're coming from, because their world really mm. is all about communicating by telephone now. And fourteen year olds, they've come into that new world. They're no longer in the emotional reasoning area; they're in the rational thought. So there's, uh, the, you know they believe what they're doing is right. They yes. have this. And therefore, they're more likely to be confrontational about it. If you're gentle with them, in other words, it is a case of being very diplomatic about the whole thing. Again, 
her, she needs to be rewarded for the hard work she did about getting her phone. Uh, she needs to be reminded that there is a little time that's very important. That, in other words, the mother is saying, you know, I really love you and I to sit mm-hmm. down and have our little chats together. Uh, and I miss that when you're so much on the phone. That kind of conversation will help her to come along okay. and, and talk with you. Don't try to push it because if you push it, you lose her. Uh, and not you won't lose her completely. Yeah. But yeah for the, a very important time, this. All right. Uh, where she does need you because remember, you are the queen maker. You're the one that she needs to give her that confidence that she's priceless and special and amazing and a gift and so on for going forward. Okay. So. All right, uh, I'll pass all that on to my wife and that listener as well, of course. Too. Um, good, 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 good. So on to this: uh, uh, a five-year-old doesn't like the hairdresser. Um, I'm struggling with my five-year-old when it comes to the hairdresser. He's always had an issue with his hair and his nails, to be honest. Even as a one-year-old, he would scream and scream about getting his nails cut. And this fear of the scissors seems to transfer it over. He's never been cut by them or hurt by them in any way. So I'm not sure where all this is coming from. His dad has brought his son with him when he's getting his own haircut to show him how easy it can be but it hasn't made any impact instead he screams he cries he, he hits and he tries to jump out of the chair you name it I have an occasion to cut his hair in his sleep and it always turns out wonky and he looks a mess as if he did it himself how do I get him over this fear I bring him maybe every three months so it's, uh, it's not an everyday thing I know but I'd love to help him get past his fear of the hairdresser that's a very extreme fear yeah that's a that's a very it's a very big question and um, but it's sort of um lends itself to a, big, uh, a bigger question because most times when we see as a, you know coming to our clinic uh, we'd see young people like that with that type of aversion towards either hair or nails or whatever the case may be they, they um, uh, it leads back to sort of even the birth process sometimes as a sometimes a little bit of a difficult birth can have the child from that moment on a little bit on a state of alert uh, and very sensitive to anything that either touches him or cuts him or holds him or, you know, like that. So, already with this little fellow, it's very important that you understand that if he's in that state of alert, that he has a fixation on anything coming near him, anything that he per- perceives as threatening him. So, it, for him, getting his hair cut is a threat, you know, and that's uh, that's where it is. So, little lads like him... They, they, what you need to understand is that if he's in that state of alert, it's reassurance and reassurance and reassurance. It's really the important thing. And I wouldn't get too hung up on it at the moment. Try to force it, you make it worse. But, uh, you know, if, if it was something, if you go back and look at what it was like and bringing him into the world, that little reptilian brain that we all have yep. that keeps us alive, well, if that's triggered off, he's, he's in a kind of a fight or flight state. Uh, which needs, needs a little bit of professional help at this point. But um, but comforting, uh, reassurance, all of that is such an important part. Right. That's, that's uh, twice you've mentioned reassurance and, yeah. and, and don't frighten them away. That's right. Um, very good. Uh, on to an 18-year-old who has changed his mind about going to college. My son is 18. He finished his leaving cert in June. He applied for colleges through the CAO, but he told us recently he doesn't want to go to college now. When asked what he wants to do, he says he doesn't know, but he says he needs a break. I'm worried if he breaks the study cycle, then he won't return to it. Since finishing the exams, he has done very little, sleeping all day, gaming all night, out with his friends. 
I sound like I'm quoting from my dad there. <laughs> um, I haven't put any pressure on him as he deserves the break, given he just did the leaving cert. But had I known he wasn't planning on going to college, I would have made him get a job and make him get some responsibility. Maybe he will change his mind when all the friends start college. I'm hoping once he's offered a place on a course, he decide to go. But what if he doesn't? He's our eldest and I'm worried about the example he is now setting for his younger sibling who is going into his junior cert this September. Any advice? Any advice? Well, I've got, again, you're dealing with an 18-year-old and he's, he's after coming out of COVID, two years of COVID, and he's after getting a break, and which uh, by all accounts, he really did take advantage of that by staying in bed all the day and playing games with his mates all night. Um, well, that has a huge impact on decision-making for the moment. He's an 18-year-old, so he's only making decisions for the moment. There's, they're not long-term decisions. He has applied for, for courses. Now, the whole idea is that, these, that the information that comes back to the family needs you guys to sit down with him and have a chat with him about the courses. You know, talk about mm. them seriously so that don't be getting at him for his decision right now because decisions at 18-year-olds can be one thing one minute and something the next. But at this moment in time, he's had a break from everything Two years of COVID, uh, his leave and start out of the way, uh, his just chilling out for all the time that he's had. And don't be giving out to yourself or you're not getting him a job or having him work or maybe that would have worked. No, none of that is going to work. Your son is your son and he's done the work. He's got his leave and start. He's applied for the positions that mm-hmm. he might consider. Let the stuff come in. When it does come in, this is the time you sit down with him. You have a chat with him. You talk of his options. And you could say, well, college might not be an option for you. What about an apprenticeship? You might like to be a plumber or an electrician or something like that. Uh, away from all of that um, college stuff. So um, it's, it's more you're engaging with him uh, with the knowledge that this lad has been a good lad for the last 18 years going to school and finishing his leaving cert. That's what you should be supporting rather than uh, at the moment him thinking that maybe he doesn't want to go to college. Okay, so see the good stuff that he's done. Oh, absolutely. Like the child who saved the money to buy their phone. Absolutely. Recognise that. Oh, I think that, and, and we forget that. You know, that these, all of, they, they need to be encouraged. They need to actually be acknowledged for what they have done and how getting them to uh, embrace that and know that you're with them, supporting them and, and invite them to explain or even say, have you thought of or yeah. considered, you know, don't push anything but just put things on the table for them or even share the conversation with them when they're talking about their, um, uh, you know, what, what he's already done. Just look, if he's playing games and he's gaming half the night, so he's into even the technology. Yeah. And that might be the future for him. There's, there's careers now in, you can uh, just watch people playing games. Absolutely. And make money. And make a fortune <laughs> out of it. Yes. So that could turn out very no, we, well. We for, forget about that because we get too yeah. traditional. Um, I have now on to the first one of those texts. Now, could a hairdresser come to the house? This person is wondering, would that make a difference if a hairdresser came to the house? Oh, that could be quite scary. Unless okay. it's somebody that they know. You know, if the hairdresser and, and uh, yeah, hair 
but it would have to be um, fun. You right. see, there are hairdressers especially uh, look after kids like that. Yeah, there's one they're mentioning here, a kid hairdresser in That's the Jervis right. Centre. The kids sit in planes. That's so, right. Yeah. And, and they, they really go out of their way to dress up and have a bit of fun and maybe clip a little bit of hair and, it, and, it, and that didn't hurt it. That was sure. okay. So they, they, you have to go to somebody who understands working with a child like that. Very good. Um, four-year-old now with toilet issues. I have a four, almost five-year-old daughter starting school this year. We've been having issues for years regarding her toileting with issues with constipation and resultant UTIs. She now tries to completely withhold urine uh, with and faeces and soils many times a day. When she appears to feel the urge to go, she hides on the ground with her knees up and tries to hold it in, but she just ends up soiling herself. She's very reluctant to drink fluids, which makes the matter worse. When we suggest to her that we should try to go to the toilet then she says she can't move and if she moves she'll have an accident I can't seem to break this pattern toilet training never really clicked with her I feel I trained her at the wrong time as the creche uh, she was in wanted everyone trained and I don't think she was ready she has had a lot of change to deal with lately we moved to a new house quite a distance from where we've always lived I've returned to work after a very long maternity leave with our one and a half year old and she's struggling in the creche environment saying she misses me and then has soiled underwear when she comes home. I feel that she has some sensory issues. She flaps her hands when she's excited. When she was younger, she would have meltdowns over washing her hair and getting dressed up. But she has grown out of this. I'm desperate to be able to help her. We're trying a reward chart at the moment, which is helping a little. And her GP is looking to refer to a psychologist for us. Any thoughts or suggestions would be welcome. OK, well, that one of these, these are the ones that you could actually suggest uh, that psychology would be a very good um, application here. There's a couple of things that you've mentioned here about the changes that have taken place. Um, and also, you know, one we should really recognise that if you get your little child toilet training, if you get them to do a rocking motion, it makes it easier and it's less painful or difficult for them, even when they're a little bit constipated. But um, uh, and if she does go into the garden and build her knees up, well, actually, that makes it easy for her to yeah. uh, to lose the bowel and, and listen to the bowel. But I have to say that if it's if it's consistent like that, a little bit of help is not a bad idea to approach somebody outside of you, because the more you're involved in it, the more and more it makes it difficult for the child. But if she has uh, just speaks to a child psychologist who can really help her through this and understand what this is all about. A, a total stranger um, would be a useful um, thing to do because it's terrible for this child because next thing she's get, she's um, signing herself at school or the mm. kids are going to be calling her smelly and all kinds yeah. of things like that. So you don't want her to be exposed to that kind of thing at all. But th- she's genuinely, um, a, a, it's a kind of a power thing with children sometimes, just it's a control issue. Sure. That she's unhappy, very unhappy with whatever was going on. And, and her happiness that she decides to, 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 to use something uh, to sort of have some sense of control. Okay. And that's one of the things they do. Right. So you think in this case it might be an idea to... to I think so. I think she needs to, yeah, to somebody. Okay. She's old enough to do that. 
Okay. Uh, one more for you now. Uh, a nine-year-old having a, an issue sleeping. Um, I would appreciate your advice about my nine-year-old son. Until early June, our little boy didn't have much trouble sleeping. The, la- the last weeks in school were tiring with first communion, school tour and activities and he got a tummy bug in the last week. Since then, he's been really struggling getting to sleep. He gets quite distressed, cries and is shaky. Uh, I can feel his body shaking and his heart racing. I've tried sitting with him and lying beside him. I've done this for over two hours and I tried to calm him but the only thing that helps is putting him into our bed even with this he can toss and turn a good bit before sleeping both he and his 10 year old sister frequently end up in our bed during the night and it doesn't bother us now however it feels like my husband and I can't have any time alone and the whole family sleep is disturbed our little boy can be tired during the day and cry easily I've tried to probe to see if anything is worrying him but he says there isn't anything for some context I was diagnosed with breast cancer this time last year I was lucky and only required surgery and radi- radiotherapy at the time I told the kids I had a lump that needed to be removed and radiotherapy to stop it coming back they are both readers and I didn't use the cancer word in case they had seen it and linked it with death in their books pretty much exactly at that time my little boy started feeling the need to pee frequently and got really worried that he'd have an accident this was worse at bedtime I had him checked out medically and with plenty of reassurance this has settled it remains a problem in the nights when he really struggles with sleeping but during the day he says his bladder just plays tricks on him He's a smart, sensitive child and I appreciate your thoughts on offering any help in exploring possible anxieties and getting him back into his own room. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's not unusual for boys anyway to have <laughs> little bladder problems. Uh, I think boys more than girls are the bedwetters and they can do that right up to 12 and 13 years of age and somebody even longer than that. And yet there's nothing physically wrong. Uh, it's just that is one mm-hmm. of the things that we see with young boys. But there is a whole lot of things that you mentioned there about where he's at and so on. My uh, advice that often when you have a little boy like that is you need to learn, teach him really a couple of things. Teach him that he can actually switch off, that it's possible for him to be able to switch off at night, that he can have this little turn off switch. That at the back of his head, he's got this little switch there. He just, you know, this is cognitive. He pictures himself just switching it off and then doing what we call teddy surfing, like breathing differently. So he'll breathe to his nose, down to his tummy. So he puts a little teddy bear in his tummy, or a little book even, if he's a reader, <laughs> but a book, and get him to breathe so that his, the book is coming up and down, and up and down. And so what happens then is he's increasing the oxygen to blood flow in his body, and that also cut out the tummy aches, because it's getting you know that lovely 60 mm. miles of blood vessels around your body have to get looked after, and the the oxygen to blood makes it it's nice and thin and it gets to move around quickly, then he doesn't get any of these little pains in the tummy. But it'll also calm him down. So it's a kind of uh, teaching him a little bit of uh, the mindfulness if you right. it, for a little one is to just have him use his imagination, give him a colour pad in the back of his head, a colour that he remembers, that he's tapping in a code. That's his code that puts him, uh, a little lit, current turns off that, that you know, danger pad, and then do the, the, the bit of breathing. And I think that if he, she does that, starts, you know, with herself doing it with him. And then you'll find that his body will relax because what she said about him was he was trembling and he was, you know, shaking. Well, that would be because actually he's, he's not able to get into a, a deep sleep. He's only half sleep all right. the time and he's, that's why he'll turn and twist. So he's not really relaxing. So, 
Uh, you could teach him to do this during the day so that at night then he can do the switching off and do the breathing and he'll find that he'll relax and he'll go to sleep. Very good. Um, Owen, thanks very much for all of that. Uh, fantastic insights. And welcome back to, to Newstalk after this uh, long, <laughs> long time away. Uh, that is um, a consultant psychologist Owen Connolly from Connolly Counselling Centre. If you have further questions in um, our parenting slot, let us know. 53106 is the text number or send your emails to afternoon at newstalk.com. We talk to Nick Durden in a few minutes, the author of Exit Stage Left, The Curious Afterlife of Pop Stars. Fascinating stories. Stay with us. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 pm on News Talk.